And it reminds us that sometimes the things that we learn in the world once we come to faith in Christ can be used for the glory of Christ. Sometimes we just need to let some things go. But the gifts, the giftings, the skills that he gives us can be used in the work of ministry. And it also reminds us that sometimes God takes his time to prepare a servant whom he attends to use greatly. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Alright, we're looking at Exodus 34 and 35 tonight. Exodus 35 through 40, we have the explanation, the dedication, uh, building of the temple and the dedication of the temple, kind of finishing out the book of Exodus. And so we're going to be spending a lot of time looking at the construction of the temple itself and the various articles that God commanded Moses and the children of Israel to make. But now they're actually going to begin the work. So we get into chapter 35, two key verses, 21 and 22. And I titled this section, Willing Hearts. Then everyone came whose heart was willing and stirred, verse 21. Everyone whose spirit was willing. They brought the Lord's offering, the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all his service, for the holy garments. They came both men and women, as many as had willing hearts. So I pulled that as the title of this chapter, Willing Hearts. And the remainder of, as I said earlier, Exodus 35 through 40, dealing with the construction, the setup, and the dedication of the tabernacle. It begins, though, with the reminder of the Sabbath day. We just had a reminder in chapter 34. God hits it again. Verses 1 through 3. Then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, These are the words of the Lord that the Lord has commanded you to do. Work shall be done for six days, but on the seventh day... It shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of the rest of the Lord. Whoever does any work shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. So the children of Israel, the standard law, you work six days, you rest on the Sabbath day, Friday evening at sunset until Saturday evening at sunset is technically the Sabbath in the Jewish mind. Boy, to the, to the youth party in Israel today, right before the Sabbath and after the Sabbath. Very sad. 
To break the Sabbath meant death then, and we'll discover that uh, in the book of Numbers, chapter 15, verse 32, a man is put to death because he's gathering firewood on the Sabbath. So there was great judgment at their time. Of all the commentaries that I read, it appears that this, verses 1 through 3, right before God talks about building the tabernacle, constructing the tabernacle, he threw this in to remind them, while you're making the tabernacle, don't work on the Sabbath. Yes, the tabernacle is important, but don't work on the Sabbath. Don't kindle a fire. Some of the commentators believe that. Don't fire up the smelting ovens. Don't melt gold. Don't melt silver. Don't melt brass on the Sabbath. Take a rest. Uh, it's important, yes but not more important than your relationship with me. And so this kindling of fire, it's only found here, but in Israel, if you go to Israel today, there are Orthodox Jews that uh, if you're in the hotels, they have the Sabbath elevators. So don't get on a Sabbath elevator unless you want to stop at every single floor because you can't kindle a fire. You can't push the button that creates a spark it causes the juice to flow, so they just let them run. Uh, the Sabbath elevator stops at every floor. So if you're on the first floor, not too bad, but if you're on the top floor, you're going to have to go through every single floor until you get to the top. Uh, the lighting stoves, lighting ovens, uh, all these things, they'll just leave it burning. They can't kindle a fire. So they have these rules that are really more than what God intended. Some believe that... Here at the beginning of chapter 35, God's just saying, yes, the tabernacle, the work of the tabernacle is important, but I'm more important. So remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So Moses spoke to all the congregation, verse 4. Congregation of the children of Israel said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded you. Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. So Moses declares to collect a free will offering to the Lord for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, verse 21, skip down a moment, for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all of its service and for the holy garments. So that's the offering to build the tabernacle, all the things that go into making the tabernacle function and for the priestly garments. It wasn't a tax being imposed upon them. It was a free will offering. Whoever had a willing heart, they were to give. So it wasn't a forced offering, but a free will offering. Second Corinthians eight twelve through 15, Paul talked about a free will offering to the Corinthians, saying if there's first a willing mind, it is to be accepted according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. So you're supposed to work within your means with the offerings given to the Lord. For I do not mean that others should be eased, that you should be burdened, but that by equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack and their abundance may also supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathers much had nothing left over. He who gathered little had no lack. So he ties it back to the gathering of manna in uh, the Exodus days. 
And Paul makes it clear not to be a burden, but that of equality. So that Greek word for equality, it can be referred to as a sense of fairness or fair dealing, equal. And it's supposed to be a cheerful giving, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It's supposed to be hilariously to give happily or cheerfully to have this state of mind uh, when you give to the Lord. So pick up in verse 5 again. He details the offering. 5 through 9, the offering was to be of gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the incense, onyx stones, stones to be set in the ephod, and also the breastplate. So the children of Israel were to bring specific items for the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Some of these items, every person, common threads of color, uh, the blue, purple, and scarlet threads, they might be in anyone's household. Gold, silver, bronze, the stones, the onyx stones, we discover as we read through here that the rulers brought these. So some gifts came from those who had greater wealth, some perhaps coming from those who had less wealth, but everybody who had a willing heart were able to give to the work of the ministry. And this was... uh, not a force, but a free will offering. And I believe in churches, we can have things come up and say, hey, this has come up. We have a need beyond our regular tithe and offering. If you'd like to help supply this need, we did this with the, well, five Indian families from India that they became Christian. They've been put out of their village. They're not allowed to get water from the community well. Tony here from our church is trying to build funds to supply a well for them that they can have water to drink. We referred to that in the last couple of weeks here at the church. So not a forced offering, a free will offering. Just a few weeks ago, I received an email from a radio listener. Not a radio listener. He was on our website. He listened to my teaching through the book of Revelation. And uh, he sent an email and he said, Is there anything, I'm reading his words, is there anything that you're thinking about purchasing for your online ministry? I feel like I want to help. So we haven't, I haven't responded to that. Bob, anything? (laughs) I haven't, I mean, I responded to him, but I said, let us think about that. I guess we're still thinking. Sometimes you can have specific needs and it's not wrong to ask for it. So, There was a call, verses 10 through 19. All the gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its coverings, its clasp, its boards, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, the ark, its poles, the mercy seat, the veil of the covering, the table and its poles, its utensils, the showbread. Also, the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamps, the oil for the lights, the incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, the screen for the door of the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of the burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles, all its utensils, the levere and its base, the hangings of the curtains, the courtyard, its pillars, the sockets, the screen of the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court, 
Maybe somebody says, I can make tent pegs, and that was their gift. That was their job. And they lived in tents. No doubt they needed a lot of them. The garments of the ministry, the ministry of the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, the garments of his sons to minister as priests. So God lists out all these different things that the children of Israel, they were to come and not only give gifts to make the things, but actually give of their time to produce these things. And some people would have special abilities to be able to do these things, to weave, to make yarn. Uh, One, they even highlighted those women who were able to spin goat's hair, we'll read about in a moment. Everybody has their giftings, and they were to use those giftings to serve the Lord. They would not only need master craftsmen, but journeymen, apprentices, laborers, skilled artisans, and gifted tailors. But also, as I think about this, the children of Israel, many of these had learned their craft, their gifting, while they were slaves in Egypt, building false gods, building the supply cities for Pharaoh. And it reminds us that sometimes the things that we learn in the world once we come to faith in Christ can be used for the glory of Christ. Sometimes we just need to let some things go. But the gifts, the giftings, the skills that he gives us can be used in the work of ministry. Like Moses, for 40 years, according to Acts 7.22, he was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt and was mighty in word and deed. From birth to 40 years old, Moses, he lived with the Egyptians. He walked like an Egyptian, talked like an Egyptian, learned all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Many would think he was an Egyptian. But from 40 to 80 years old, he learned the ways of a shepherd. And then when God had enrolled him in the Midian Desert Institute, that he might effectively shepherd the people of God. And then from 80 to 120 years old, well, he became the savior of Israel. He led the children of Israel. And so sometimes God takes us from what we did in the world, and he's able to use that, work in our lives, rework it in our hearts that we can serve Christ. And it also reminds us that sometimes God takes his time to prepare a servant whom he attends to use greatly. So 20 through 29, all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Everyone whose heart was stirred, everyone whose spirit was willing, they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all his service for its holy garments. They came both men and women, as many as had willing hearts, and they brought earrings and nose rings and rings and necklaces and all the jewelry of gold. That is every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord, every man with whom it was found blue and purple and scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, red skin of rams, badger skins brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze to the Lord. Everyone with whom was found acacia wood for the work of the service brought it. And the women who were gifted artisans spun yard with their hands, brought what they had spun, blue, purple, and scarlet, fine linen. And all the women whose hearts were stirred with wisdom spun yarn of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod, and then the breastplate of the high priest, and the spice and the oil for the lights, and for the anointing oil, and the sweet incense, 
The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work, of which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, commanded to be done. So as their hearts were stirred with the abilities that they had, the gifts that they had, they brought to the Lord. And it may be, we'll learn in chapter 36, one of the few times in any church service that you ever heard, for the material that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. Those who manage this work, which we'll read about in a minute, those who manage this work in chapter 36 would come to Moses and say to Moses, tell the people to stop giving. I don't know if you've ever been to a church service where any pastor said, just stop. <laughs> no more gifts. Too much, too much. Well, those gifts and the abilities that we have, it reminded me of a, a passage in the harvest. So in 19, I think it was 1985, Chuck Smith along with uh, Talbrook, wrote a book called The Harvest. That book changed my life. That book is why I'm a Calvary Chapel pastor today. If I hadn't read that book, I probably wouldn't be standing in front of you today. And so I remember a lot of the book. It just blew my mind. My dad, I asked him once as a Baptist pastor, I asked him why we don't see the things in the book of Acts happening in the church today that we read about in the book of Acts. And he said, because God doesn't work that way anymore. And I said, well, why not? That was my response to my dad. My dad probably didn't like the young smart <laughs> Johnny. But the spirit was moving to my heart. And that's how I responded to death. Like, why not? And I read the book, The Harvest, and I said, oh, God does work that way. So this reminded me of a section. I'm going to read just a couple of paragraphs. And talking about building their first chapel. The interesting thing is how we saw love prove itself as God's adhesive force time and time again. Dwayne Hart, a man who today is one of our elders, is a good example of the resistance many felt. He was furiously suspicious of the hippie converts. He felt that they were insincere, freeloaders, manipulators, who are unwilling to change or unable to change. Never would they be able to work or support themselves. And one afternoon, as Duane was working side by side with a group of hippie converts at the time, were dismantling a school building that had not yet come up to code, and he saw something that pierced his heart. These lean, muscular young men worked tirelessly as they sweat away in the summer sun, pulling off old roof tiles, long hours went by. They never slowed down. By the end of the day, they were scrubbing down the piles of old roof tiles for the use of the new structure. Dwayne noticed that their hands were bleeding from the work. Their hands were bleeding. These young men worked into the night, singing of their newfound love for Jesus. So God convicted Dwayne of his judgmentalism that by the end of the day there was not a word that could be uttered about them except in their defense from then on sometimes when we work together rich poor all classes of people we learn to walk side by side with the gifts that God gives us verses 30 through 35 we close out this chapter and Moses said to the children of Israel see 
The Lord is called by name Biziel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, in the tribe of Judah. In verse 34, he has put in his heart the ability to teach, and in him Aholilib, the son of whoever, and the tribe of Dan. I get tired of trying to say those names. What Moses had received from the Lord while on the mountain, he now reiterates to the children of Israel. And he even called two men to run the work, to head up the work, to teach the people. Not only were they skilled craftsmen and artisans, they had the spirit of God and the understanding to teach. As God explained in verses 31 through 33, with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, the knowledge of all manner of workmanship, to design artistic work and the work of gold and silver and bronze, the cutting of jewels for setting, the carving of wood, the work of all manner of artistic workmanship. So that was Biziel and his partner, his assistant, Aholilib, was an engraver, a designer of tapestry, the maker of blue and purple and scarlet thread and fine linen, a weaver to do all the work of those who design artistic works. And they took the skills that they learned. I believe they learned a lot of this in Egypt. But the Spirit of God was in them. I love it. They were Spirit-filled craftsmen, laborers, working for the glory of God, gifted tailors. We can do that. The skills that the Lord gives us in this world that we live in, God can take and turn it for His glory when he fills us with his spirit. So the offering, one last thing, one last dad story. So as a pastor, dad took over a church of 12 people. In a year, they had over 100 coming. They were renting an old schoolhouse in Wadsworth, Illinois. And Wadsworth told my dad, they gave him a year or more, said, we're going to make this our town hall. So you need to find a new place. Here's a 12-year-old boy. We're driving home from church one day, and I said, Dad, why don't you guys just build a church? I don't know if he had thought about that yet, but I said, there's five acres right there. Why don't you buy that land? (laughs) And before long, they owned not that five acres, but another five acres about uh, two blocks away of that general area. And they built a church, and they dedicated the church. The upstairs of the church had carpet in it, and uh, they needed a vacuum bath. Now, as the Spirit moves, someone brought a vacuum. The only problem is the vacuum was used. It didn't work well. They bought a new one for their house, thought, not good enough for my house, but good enough for the house of God. So they bought a new one for the house, dumped theirs off at the church. We threw it away because it didn't work very well. So be careful with that. It's not good enough for your house, not good enough for God. If the Lord moves you, keep the old vacuums at home. But as the Lord moves, uh, there are good things. We, we had a, the microwave we have in the kitchen downstairs. Our microwave got repaired by the factory. While we were waiting for the repair, they gave us money to buy a new microwave. We used it for a month, got the parts, fixed our old microwave, and we had a, basically a brand new microwave that's been here for many years. Sometimes... It can work, but be careful what you give. Make sure it's not the old stuff you just want to get rid of and get a tithe receipt for. Make sure it's coming from a willing heart with the love of God. 
So let each one, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word that you've given us tonight. I didn't think I'd get so much out of these two chapters, Lord, just really listing out the building materials of the tabernacle, but more so, Lord, talking about the hearts of worship that we should have when we worship you, the gifts that you give us. And Lord, though we may have learned some of our skills in the world as believers, they might be able to be used for your glory. So give us, Lord, hearts that are stirred, maybe in gifts and offerings, free will offerings, or maybe in our gifts and talents that you have given us that we can use in service for you, that we together, young and old, rich or poor, whatever class of society we might be in, that we can come together to work together for your glory and our good. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. And let God